what's up, y'all? This is Zach Believe Corporate, and you know, you know what we do, right? It's a Tuesday. Um, hopefully, you're bunkered in somewhere. Uh, not panicked, but um, what's the word? Oh, using an abundance of caution. Um, and, uh, you know, keeping away from folks that don't wash their hands. You already. OK, anyway, we're not going to talk about the point is you're taking care of yourself. Um, maybe you're listening to some smooth jazz and you realize, oh, snap, I need to listen to the Living Corporate podcast. And here we are. So what's up? Uh, you know that we are um, centering black and brown voices at work. And we do that by having authentic conversations with uh, folks across a wide array of industries. OK, I'm talking about um, energy to transportation to telecommunications. I'm talking about lawyers and doctors and professors and uh, shoot hourly employees, activists, um, influencers, I mean, anybody really, um, as long as they're willing and ready to really talk about the folks that are most impacted, uh, most marginalized uh, in this world that we live in. And uh, today is no different. We have Bari Williams on the show, Bari Williams. Um, you know, she's a, you know, she's a lot of different things to a lot of different people, you know, for me to try to, you know, wrap that up in a quick little intro would be inappropriate. So we're going to get to know Bari um, in this conversation and talk a little bit about what she has going on. And uh, we hope uh, we hope you enjoy it. And with that being said, Bari, what's up? How you doing? I'm doing really good. I'm doing really good. Um, I know we were talking off mic about, you know, keeping staying Rona free. Man, that Rona. That Rona. <laughs> it's not playing though. Uh, no. They said. Uh, Chuck, they said Chuck got the Rona. Yeah. Chuck yeah. got that Rona. When when Tom Chuck, Hanks. Tom Hanks got the Rona. When Tom Hanks. When Tom. When Tom Ladarius Hanks got the Rona. Rona. I said, okay, wait, we need to slow. Yeah. Fire yourself. That <laughs> 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 <I>, Tom Ladarius. <laughs> Man. But also, yeah, because he's from Oakland. <laughs> he's from Oakland, and it, well, well, this is the thing. I when when he when he calls Spades Big Wiss, I said, oh, "Okay." Oh no! So here's the thing. The funny part about that is, <laughs> Tom Hanks was in my uncle's graduating class in the same high school in Oakland. Word. So that, that's a real thing. Like Tom Hanks knew about Big Wiss and Spades. Man, well, see, I knew, I, you know, so you know, the apple don't fall far that- from the tree doesn't explain chet hanks we're not gonna so. talk about chet <laughs> chet tonight i i don't have anything for chet <laughs> man boy that blackness went away when his when he realized his parents were sick though right that patois was that gone patois real- was, i didn't i didn't i didn't hear it. i didn't i didn't yeah it was like hey no, guys no patois so ting <laughs> mom and dad are sick guys thanks for your prayers oh uh, says snap he was tatted up though but yeah uh <laughs> Right. He did. He did. But yeah. Um. Okay. 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 So, look. You. There's a variety of things we could talk about, right? Like a lot of stuff is going on. This is not typically a current events podcast. I do want to talk a little bit about the book that you have. Yeah. It, yeah. Out on March 31st. Um. Diversity in the workplace. Eye-opening interviews to get your conversations popping. Um. I love. I that. interviewed 25 different people. And what was super interesting about it is it was 25 people that I picked and I got probably five or six interviews deep. And I told the editor, hey, I know we want to segment these into five different categories, right? but all of these people are intersectional. Mm. So you can figure out where you want to put them. I'm not going to make that determination because 
who am I to say that somebody being LGBTQ and Christian outweighs, you know, maybe how their gender fluid or express themselves. Right, I'm not yeah. going to. Yeah, 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 yeah. Not going to not going to rank that. Yeah. Or how when I talk to two black women in the spirits industry, I'm not going to rank whether they feel that they're black first or woman first. Right. So right. you put them where you want them. Hmm. But, but here they are. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you're absolutely right. I mean, I think when you force, especially when I think, I think about like Feminista Jones, like she talks about this from time to time. It's like this idea that you make black women choose between their femininity, their womanhood or their blackness. And like, that's violence, right? Like you need to let people be, be all of who they are. Mm-hmm. I totally I, agree. I would say what's hard for me with that though, is that I can only speak from my experience, but mm-hmm. I have always been black first. Yeah. And the reason being is that, um, I all the experiences of my life would not be different if I were still black and a man. Mm. And that's like, wow. Let's talk okay. about that. Though. Let's talk like break, break that down a little bit for me. Child, we can talk about it. My mama literally just texted me and said, I fell asleep reading your book. This is really good. I didn't know people were out here living like this. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I feel like. And I've been told this before, and it probably isn't a secret to you. Mm. I can have a bit of a dominant personality. <laughs> you, yeah, you're kind of strong. Uh, yeah, but I mean, I feel like that's not abnormal for black women, it's not, period. It's not. My mom is like that. Exactly. And my mom is like that, and my son's mama is like that, <laughs> which means me. So... <laughs> I mean, if you're used to it, you know how to deal with it. Right. But the harder part, at least for me, is working within that framework in a corporate environment. What does that mean to be a strong black woman in a white, predominantly male, sort of passive aggressive environment? Yeah, straight up. No, I mean, And the answer is, I still don't know. Because they say they want one thing, and then when they get it, they're like, ooh. We didn't know this we is a, Yeah. <laughs> this, is, this is more than I thought. <laughs> well, I think I think a lot of folks do say they that they want certain things, but it's like, right when you finally experience this, particularly when it comes to you know people say they want diversity, um, they want mm-hmm. inclusion, and it's like yeah, but until you until you're in a until room, it makes you uncomfortable until you make until it makes you uncomfortable, and you're in a room and you're doing a presentation, and then three people who don't look like you raise their hand asking you a bunch of questions that you weren't prepared for, then all of a sudden you ain't really yeah. like that. Right. Yeah, that's exactly it. And like I touch on that a lot in the book. So in the book, it's segmented into five different categories. So it's race, gender, age and ability, religion and culture and LGBTQ. Okay. And when I say that there were only I interviewed 25 people, actually interviewed more than 25 and let the editor decide what she thought. The editor was also a black woman, which Mm. was like fantastic. Yeah. And so, like, she got me. Yeah. And that's very rare, particularly in publishing. And she read it, and she was like, yeah, these are really, really good, and this is hard to figure out where, where to go. put folks. Yeah, because mm-hmm. you have people who are, you know, dealing with issues around culture and race. Yeah. And then you have issues dealing with, you know, sexuality and race. And then mm-hmm. you have people dealing with gender and religion. Mm-hmm. And so 
yeah, where do you put them? So out of the 25 people that we ended up selecting in the end, only two fit cleanly in one bucket. And what was interesting about that is they were both Asian men. Okay. Yeah. So, but yeah. everyone else was, you know, fit into multiple categories. And that's one thing we talk about is like, how do you navigate being in multiple categories and fitting into a predominantly straight, white, male, able-bodied world? And I think, and you know, I think also like it, it, it pushes up against the, this narrative of, or this, just this binary mindset that we have about everything, right? You're either this or you're that, or it's this or it's that. And it's like, that's just not the way the world works. And like, people are really complex, but I think like part of like this decentering of whiteness, particularly less white male, straight, able-bodiedness, um, is forcing people to realize that not only like this, like these concepts are not new. It's just that certain things are happening now where you can't ignore those non-white male groups yeah. anymore. And I think people are very, very uncomfortable with that yeah. theory. And so part of it is in the book, there are takeaways from each chapter. Yes. There are key there. It starts with definitions in terms of like, what are some things you're going to see in here that people have said in their interviews mm. that's going to be prevalent and super relevant like yeah. white savior okay and you I and I and I didn't feel afraid to go there like I know some people are going to be like ooh yeah white savior like so are you insulting no I'm not but you also think you're wearing a cape and you you can save us all and that's not what we're asking you to do right and <laughs> that's right and also like you need to know that you're doing this it's white savior it's understanding the difference between you know, being cis and like people just just terms and things that people may not be familiar with and And to get them comfortable with the idea of that terminology and then how to use it. I think I think that's really important, too. Right. So people are, you know, we talk about white fragility. There's There's different types of fragility too. black men can be can exhibit a certain level of fragility. I think like I think people who are in any position of relative privilege, relative privilege now relative privilege um, have the potential to exhibit fragility. And I think folks don't necessarily like being educated when they're wrong. So like having, having something, a resource, um, you know, Google is free y'all. So don't, but anyway, I tell people that all the time. Google is free. Like, I don't like, like, even if, like, even if like getting corrected in public or by another human makes you uncomfortable, you could at least, I mean, you could engage with your own fragility in private. But anyway, the point is having a book. I will tell you, my husband, my <laughs> husband is the product manager for Google yeah. and he works on the Android wearables team. Okay. So he doesn't even actually work for the search engine. Okay. But when I ask him a question and he thinks it's dumb, he'll just send me the link. And I can't, I'm trying to remember the acronym, but basically the acronym stands for "Let me Google that for you." Yeah, somebody sent that to me one time, and I was like, "But this is the thing about that," and that's cute. That's cute, and that's your husband and stuff. Let me tell you something. I remember one time I was at work and I asked somebody a legitimate question. If somebody sent, did that to me at work, though, I would want to fight. I said, "I said, wait a second. Oh, let me tell you what it's not going to be. You gonna answer my right. question? Okay, don't, don't play. Don't play with me." <laughs> Like there is a whole song out here in the Bay that was made that's called "What What You Ain't Gonna Do." Yes. So, <laughs> well, that's because if if I if I like, didn't have to talk to you, I wouldn't. Go so YouTube, don't go YouTube that, and you might want to make that the outro music. But because, <laughs> but that's literally it's fine. Yeah, it's fine for Jamie to do that to me. But if somebody else did that to me, yeah, don't play with me. Though. I would. 
probably roll up on your desk. <laughs> so explain this. Why did you send this? <laughs> right. So let's talk, Bob. <laughs> let me tell you what you ain't gonna do. So what you ain't gonna do and what it ain't gonna be. Um, okay, so no, that's that's all so let me ask you this though. So like what was the inspiration to to write the book? Ah, uh, many things. I think um and this is gonna be long winded and just go it's okay but (laughs) but um i remember being five years old and my mom is a retired teacher from oakland unified school district and she and a couple of colleagues sat around our dining room table in our apartment and they created what ended up being the oratorical festival which to our surprise was made into a documentary on hbo last month and she didn't know, and I didn't know. And she was like, oh, look at this. And I was like, yeah, also, why are you not in it? But I let mm. that go. I go. I'm going to let that go and let God. <laughs> <laughs> and she actually, what's funny about it is she was like, I don't care. Like, if somebody's talking about this and it still exists, like, that's enough. Yeah. Like, that was her goal. Wow. Uh, and so I remember sitting there looking at that, and I remember participating the first year. And I won in the first grade for like my category. And I was like, did you rig this? <laughs> and, and she was like, no, but what it did was it gave me a voice. Yeah. And she cultivated that throughout yeah. my entire life. When I was in, you know, doing debate team in high school and junior UN league, like all of that. So I always felt like I had something to say and you know, everything doesn't deserve a response. Right. I mean, I'm still learning that at 40, Mm. (laughs) but Mm. she taught me like when something does deserve a response, make sure that you have a very calculated thing to say about it. And so I started to do that. And then I decided to write and it was writing articles and op-eds and New York times and fast company and fortune and Forbes and it made me think there's a there there Mm. and there are things that people are not discussing in these tech companies that I see because I'm in them Yeah. and we can't fix it if more people don't know it's a problem so that's what led to it but it was more than that it was like there are other people going through different struggles in different departments and other companies and other industries and what does that look like right and so that's why i ended up talking to you know two black women in the spirits industry the spirits industry is dominated by older white men and these are two you know 30 something year old black women with their own spirits yeah and they're christian and so I, I told that was one of the things where i told the editor i don't know where you would put them do you want to put them in race or gender or religion right but yeah, but they've had people ask them in their church, like, what are you doing? This is wrong. They've had people talk to them in the spirits industry, like, hey, girl, do you know what you're doing? Like, it, you know, they get it on all levels. Right. And then it was talking to uh, Rabia. Rabia is fantastic. She is um, the woman who did the defense for Adnan in Serial. And she talked about being, you know, a a woman being Muslim, wearing a hijab and people 
she knows she's a good attorney, but people would want her to write the briefs and do the background work, but not show up in court. Hmm. It's interesting because that's the kind of stuff I think like there's a pattern of that, right? Of ex- mm-hmm. of, of exploiting black labor or, want, or wanting the black, like using black folks thought capital, wringing them dry for their thought capital mm-hmm. only to then for you to then take center stage and publicity and, and, and really interface, right? Like you see it. I'm sure that you've, I know cause you, you engage in tech, like you've been with StubHub and Facebook, like you've been all over the place, right? Like you've seen where like, a lot of times black folks will come from like these HBCUs or like with these engineering degrees and then like work in the back in security security. Y'all is not like, not like tech security, not secure in the building. Uh, but like, anyway, like, security in the building. Yeah. <laughs> I will tell you the funniest thing to me when I got to Facebook was it was 2014. Yeah. Facebook started in 2004. So yeah. it was 10 years afterward. I was the first black woman in legal hmm. there there weren't black people in legal <laughs> so hmm. I was the first black person and the first black woman there were no AKAs at all in the company so I was the first AKA in the company they had no links in the company wow. I was the first link in the company like what are you doing what are you doing and- like if you want a really highly qualified workforce Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated will get that done for you. The Lynx Incorporated will get that done for you. And there were only like three Deltas in the entire company. Shout out to my uh, my, my sorority sisters. What's up, y'all? You know, you were, my mom is also an AK, but you really repping. Like, you really got on this podcast and, like, inserted that, plugged that. I respect that. I like that a lot. I, you know, plug, plug, plug. Um, I, I respect I, it. But, but that's the thing that I wanted people to understand, too, is, like, if you want a highly qualified workforce – and yes, they may not have direct on point experience, but we all have analogous experience from doing this nonprofit work. Right. Right. And that's the thing that people discount or don't see. But like you want to hire Brad in accounting and he like did an internship for two months at his dad's firm. Well, see, that's what I was about to say. It's like, like what I, do you value? <laughs> what are you? Well, when, when you start, well, when you start like holding them, account, so when you hold them accountable to the standards that they give you. Right. So if you say, OK, well, you know, you don't really have X, Y, Z. Like, OK, well, let me see, show me your show me somebody else who does have X, Y, Z experience. Yeah, show me what's comparable. Or show what show me something comparable. And, they, and you pull, they pull them up and it's like, yo, this person was a, he was like a DJ or he worked at a GNC. Like, what are you talking about? Like, and so then it just, things just quick humble because it's like, you're, this is not about this. Like, you've created, yeah. you're, you're creating it, it, rules. That's not really what you want. And that's fine. Exactly. But like, let's call a thing a thing. Let's call a thing a thing. Like, I think I think again, like there's if it, it, it just fits the meta narrative of white people like creating new rules for marginalized people. Well, um, it's something that I actually told an old boss hmm. and said like, every time I hit the benchmark, you move the goalpost. Right. Are you aware of that? Wow. And he was like, "What are you saying?" And I said, "What I'm saying is what I said." I just said it. First of all. <laughs> yeah, I like child when I tell I and that's the thing is like, see, my mama should have never. You told me I should advocate <laughs> because I, I literally said I was like, no, I hit this benchmark and you told me if I did this, it, w- it would be that right. if I did X, it would be Y. Right. And now you're saying, mm-hmm, but in order to get to Y, you really need to do. And I was like, nah, bro, 
That's you said saying. this. And I have it in writing and I did that. So now what are we doing? And you know, I think and he was like, why are you so angry? He said, What now? Why are you so angry? What do you mean? <laughs> well, I was like, I what do you mean? Why am I I'm not angry? I'm just telling you this is what you said. Right. And now you're going back on it. And he's like, but you're angry. And I said, I'm not angry. But let, but let, I'm but, just holding you accountable. And maybe you're not used to that. But that's also not my job. Like that, that you should go home and talk to your mom or your wife about that. Like, <laughs> but, but you know what, though? Like just as a thought, like just as a thought exercise, let's just say I am angry. Okay. Maybe I'm. Then what? Then what? I am angry because you said you were going to do something and you, did, you didn't. Or you said it was going to be one way or and it isn't. Or I have written documentation and you're gaslighting me by acting like this isn't real. So, yeah, maybe I am angry. Is that does that make my point less valid? And it doesn't. And like these are stories that people go through in the book about how people gaslight them in the same way, whether it's about them being a woman or about them being black or about them being Asian or about them LGBTQ. There is such a powerful story in there from a woman who's Asian who talks about like how her family essentially made her feel like she had to whitewash herself to be successful. And then when she got to college, it was like, I don't know how to relate to Asian people now. And then when she got in the workplace, she's like, now I have to relate to both. And how does that work? And it, I mean, that, that's, that's, that's real. Like, you know, how you're socialized and is how you end up projecting yourself to the world. That's right. Knowingly or unknowingly. And that's, that's the scary part, right? Like you, like you, you end up doing this thing, like where you're, you know, you're raised, you're, you're just growing up. Like you're, you're raised a certain way and then you, you hit the, you hit the real world and you realize like, dang, what? I have a lot of internalized depression. And like, I didn't even know that. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And that is like that honestly is one of the it's funny because my son, he's he's now he's nine and a half. But when I had to finish this book at the towards the middle of October, I was so tired. When I tell you, child, on the last day before I had to hit the bit, I was like, oh, I stopped to watch like a Real Housewives marathon. And, and he came to me. He was like, what are you doing? And I was like, excuse you? <laughs> and he said, what are you, mommy, what are you doing? And I said, I'm taking a break. And he's like, are you done yet? And I said, do you understand what break means? <laughs> and he's like, well, you don't, I mean, you let me take a break, but you give me a, a time. Mm. Like, you've been watching this for like three hours. <laughs> have you hit send? And I was like, no, I haven't. And he's like, okay. So then you get one more hour and then you need to finish. But to me, what I took that as was like, he wasn't being defiant. He was actually imposing the rules that I put on him. That's right. (laughs) Which I was like, oh, so my parenting isn't totally failing. No, he has internalized that level of accountability and he is giving you that same energy back. Yeah, but the same energy I had to give him was like, I listened to so many stories about, you know, marginalized communities interviewing these folks, right? particularly um, black men right? and their experiences. And they don't, you don't get to mess up. 
And I've told true. him that. And so he's like, so why are you sitting here watching a Real Housewives marathon for three hours? You need to, you haven't pressed in, like, girl, get it done. <laughs> and I was like, okay, yeah, you're right. We, we, but you know, it's that same energy. It's it like, is, it is. we have to be twice as good to get half as far. And yeah. that story with all of these people in the book, which is crazy, because it cuts across everything. It cuts across disability. It cuts across sexuality. It cuts, yeah. It's like you have to make up for who you are by doing more work. You know, I think about um, I think about a conversation we just had with um, with Rucha Katulshin and we were talking about we were talking about how black men are oftentimes left out of the corporate DNI initiatives. Right. Like so now sometimes people are thinking they're being really radical when they talk about the angry black man. It's like, OK, I get it. That that is a thing. And that's real. But like just the larger conversation about how how black men are treated. Like you said, we don't have a chance to mess. We don't have opportunities to mess up. And the same thing can be said for black women, of course, for sure. And it's just this idea of labor and like having to do do more just for just not to like. And I think what and you're not getting farther. It's just think. Oh, my gosh. Thank you. It's like you're not I'm not doing more to get further or get farther ahead. I'm doing more just to be equal. I'm, I'm doing more just to receive what I'm what I've earned. I can tell you, my husband, he interviewed at a former employer of mine. Okay. My husband is six foot six and like 235 pounds on a good day. Well, he's lean, lean. Uh, mm. 235, (laughs) 6'6? I said on a good day. Okay. So, but the way that he's built, though, is very like um, Michael Phelps. So he's okay. broad. Okay, got you. So okay, that, got it, got it, got yeah. It. So he looks bigger than he is. Okay, got it, got it. And the feedback that they had is, and he also, because of his size and because he is black, he has been socialized. And also, he's light as hell. Like, I've had people ask me multiple times, oh, so your husband's biracial. No. Ooh. He isn't, but people just assume that he is. Okay. And so based off of his profile, he's very light skinned. He's six foot six. He's built like a swimmer and and people he, so he has been socially conditioned to basically, I don't want to say tamp down Mm. who he would be, Mm. but he's more docile. Yeah. Yeah. Super reserved. Yeah, which is why our dynamic works because I'll be like the person in your face, and <laughs> it's it's tough to like, be hey. it's tough to be big when you yeah it's tough to be in your like I've learned yep. that in a variety of different ways but yeah because like I keep yeah. that I'm I'm I would say I'm probably more like you Barry like I'm like hey yo da, da, but like I'm like six two like like two eighty so like I'm like a big dude that's still but but that and you know that scares people it's it terrifies and i'm and i'm not that and i'm and i'm lighter skinned but i'm not like light skinned right so like you know it's and that is so scary for me with our son because our son is he is darker than i am and i'm brown skinned Hmm. and he's already five feet and he's nine yeah he's gonna be a big boy yeah, he will be. And he I, I believe he'll be taller than his dad and even if he isn't, it's like if you are 6 foot 6 and you're a brown skin boy and you're in Oakland, 
I have to keep you safe. Right. And so everything I do is about how do we keep you safe? Hmm. And it that sucks because like I wish you could just be free. And you but know, and it's and it's not and like not even to be a super downer about. It, I say this as someone who shoot, but maybe by the time of this podcast, uh, my daughter is going to be here. But like I think about having black kids in this world and like it's like there's the physical safety but then there's a certain level of like psychological safety that you really can't protect them from and like there's certain things they're gonna just have to again i'm not trying to be fatalist or like super like down whatever like they just have to go they're gonna have to experience and it's like like the feeling of being isolated or alone or otherized or not quite fitting in spaces like that create like that like that's a thing right like that's a thing and yeah. And, and you know I, it's uh, somebody that I really admire um, like there are people like there are a bunch of folks I really admire but I think about like um, like Bomani Jones right so like I think like he's somebody I see like in these spaces and he never like on his like platforms ever talks about like being one of the onlys or whatever and like some people are just built like that he's like he's like, like I don't really whatever you know I don't know he just he doesn't seem like he doesn't come across like really vulnerable in that way but like and I don't and I don't know and this is not about both specifically, but I think about like other black men in media um, or like in these like really like big profile spaces. And I just wonder, like, I wonder, like, to be successful in these like hyper white spaces, do you just have to have like a certain level of just armor and like almost be just really yeah, callous? I think, I think you do. Um, that's one of the things also that I learned from doing interviews in the book. And that's not even unique to us. Yeah. Is like, the folks who were dealing with LGBTQ and gender issues and gender expression, yeah, they had to deal with that yeah. in terms of like questioning them and like, what are you doing? Why are you doing that? Like all of that stuff. Right. And I have full discretion. I know Bo, like Bo and I are cool. And we've had that conversation. And part of it is like, to your point, it's not intentional. He doesn't mean to not say that. He just is like, I am who I am. And like, you gonna take it or you not. Right. <laughs> and I honestly, I, you know, have talked to him and have said, like, I want that energy for my son. Yeah. I don't want him to feel like you have to have the burden of all black people ever on your back. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Both of them does both. Right. And but it but he but he still reps us unquestionably and yeah that, that's what i want and that's what i want then i see with my husband is like it's funny because i, I look at him we're very very different mm. he has had probably every advantage you could have in life okay. like he went he has gone to private school since he was born we until about this yeah yeah yeah, yeah 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 like he literally went to private preschool then he went to a private you know elementary school yeah private school he went to harvard and then he went to stanford and i was like bruh you do not know <laughs> like what it's like to live in like a real dorm right. <laughs> and but he still came to like and he's from here too he's from oakland and yeah. came back and like tried to get in the valley and couldn't beat down the door hmm. right and this is what everybody says that they want, right? These credentials. That's right. 
Yeah, you know, he checked every box. And also, this is a light skinned dude, right? So he's right. less threatened. Right. And I'm sure, and and I'm, so sure I, I'm sure he talks sure. very proper. I'm sure he, he enunciates his words well. Child, I call him MC Carlton, but I'm a little <laughs> So like so like literally, literally his only knock is that he's black. Cause, or, and 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 light black at that. <laughs> Diet. <laughs> like Yeah, like, well not even that. It's just also so that was one of the things. So when I said my former I had an employer who interviewed him. He got to the end of the round. Okay. And they decided that they didn't want him. They cut him from like they were hiring between him and one other person. Okay. They cut him because they said, oh, he didn't show enough passion. He wasn't willing to bang on tables. Come on. So when they gave me that, so no, 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 child, when they gave me that feedback, I said, okay, so let's, let's, let's stop and envision this. Do you want a six foot six, 235 pound black man banging on tables? You're, you're going to be comfortable with that. And they said, what? They were like, well, what do you, what are you implying? And I said, okay, I said what I said, don't don't play with me. I'm not implying. I I said what I said. I didn't imply anything. I just said what I said. So if you saw that you would feel safe, you would be cool. I mean, real talk, would you answer the question? Well, they were like, no, I mean, we just, he didn't show passion. I was like, that's not what I asked. What I asked was if you saw a six foot six bald black man banging a table to motivate engineers, you're cool with that. And nobody could answer it definitively. And I was like, and that's why you didn't hire him. So thank you. And I'm going to go catch a shuttle. Oh my gosh! <laughs> yeah, like I'm not gonna participate in this. No, this like what are we doing? Like it's not. Yes, yeah, it, no, it's ridiculous. It's super ridiculous. He's super reserved, and he's super reserved because he knows that what he the is a large him. black man, and he can't. He can't do that. Let me tell you about it's how things come back full circle. But I applied to this like when I first get into consulting, I was between a few different firms. And one of the firms, and they were all like big four, right? So one of the firms I applied to, I went through the process and they said, oh, he was too passionate. He was too excited about the job. He smiled too much. So I'm just laughing at you, laughing at this situation because it's like, okay, so you can't win for losing. Right? I, I literally was the one smiling, talking about how excited I was. They said, well, no, he looked like he knew what he was doing, but he just seemed a little too smiley, a little too excited. I don't, his energy was, he was a little too high, a little too, a little too passionate for us. But if he had been extra excited, y'all would have been like, oh my God, the black guy scared me because exactly. he's so big. Exactly. <laughs> so, and that, and what I hate about this is like having to teach my son these rules of the road. Mm. Because it's different in certain ways. He has my complex. Actually, he, he's darker than my complexion. And he has his daddy's stature. Yeah. And so you're going to be extra targeted because you are a super brown boy. And you're going to be very tall. So you have to be on your P's and Q's at all times. Yeah. You're not wrong. And he's so mad because he does he does Kumon in addition to his regular schoolwork. Mm-hmm. And 
He's like, ah, oh, mommy, I'm tired all the time. And I was like, what do you think my life is? What do you think your daddy's life is? Yeah. What do you think grandma's life is? Yeah. Like, that's what it is. And, like, I hate to tell you that, but you have to do more and do it faster and do it better. Right. And you're going to have to do it even faster and even better than your dad. Because yeah. your dad gets some sort of benefit from, you know, having, you know, been a Harvard legacy and he's light-skinned. Like, yeah, it's you know, true. Light-skinned, light let's go further. I'm sorry. We, we, it's we, true. We've yet to talk about colorism, like, on the podcast, like, explicitly. Yeah. But, like, we need to talk about it because colorism. Let's talk about it. We can do it right now. Well, it's, well, it's a global. <laughs> <laughs> I want to respect your time because you went over. So, but no, it's it's a global phenomenon, right? And I think, like, it it, it goes beyond just, like. Um, the African diaspora. It, 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 it That's extends, true. It, it go, it, it's so true for for our Indian comrades. Yeah, that is very true for our Latinx comrades. Mm-hmm. Like that's just the truth. I was in the HEB. HEB for the folks who are not in Houston. Um, HEB is a, a, a huge grocer. Um, so I was in HEB and I was getting some. Um, I was getting some different like sauces and stuff. And I was in the. Um, the uh, the Indian food or like the uh, yeah like the uh, the cultural food aisle and walked right on by some lightning cream yeah like, you know what I mean so it's it's super common and I think like even when you when you look at like these corporatized DNI off um, DNI groups the Latinx folks are typically European like white presenting you know what I mean like they're not like you don't see a lot of you know, again, it's just it's it's common, but because it's so pervasive and, and I don't want to say subtle because it's not subtle if you pay attention, but but it's just common. Right. Like the lighter skinned people, it's hard to be dark and um, in power, you know? Yeah. yeah. And that is for me um, just a personal thing that I want my son to embrace and the reason being is like you know everybody my mom is light-skinned and my dad was not and they got divorced when I was three so I don't even remember like I have no memory of living with them together and so it was really my mom and her family and everybody in her family is light-skinned and I'm the only brown person I was like What's going on here? Hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, and, but what's interesting here is my husband is, is light skin and I'm brown. Our daughter is lighter than my husband hmm. <laughs> and our son is darker than me. So it's like, they don't match <laughs> at all. I love that y'all have a, I love that y'all have a whole like kaleidoscope going though. We do actually, we, and we have shirts. I have a whole shirt. Aww. Like, um, I need to send you one, please. It's a it it, it it's real. Um, it's ghetto. It's, I like that. <laughs> I like that energy though. It's ghetto. Um, it's a unicorn throwing money. Okay. And out, and there are different shades of the unicorn, Aww. and I picked the different shades based off of the people in our family. Oh, that's cool. So, <laughs> yeah, but I mean, like. Get, get this money do this work <laughs> you can do it whatever shade you are that that's my point i love but it. for him 
I want him to understand there are going to be different restrictions for you. Yeah. Because you're likely to walk out of here one day when you're 16 and you're going to be 6'6 and you're going to be super brown and you are really fine. And so you people need you need to be aware of the danger. And then opposite is like your sister is light skinned. She has very loose curly hair. <laughs> and so people are going to treat her in a completely different manner and think she's fine, even though she may not be. Mm. And not that I'm saying she's not cute. She is. But I'm like, you know, but there's people, biases. There's yeah, there's there's biases that come being light exactly. skinned with a certain yeah, there's a certain exactly. aesthetic that she fit that she could fit into that then makes it easier. She, and she does. And I want to make sure that she doesn't buy into that. And yeah. You know, that's what we're dealing with here. And that's what I deal with in the book is like, how do you handle this? You have people in multiple categories. What are the proper terms? What are the issues that are around that? And how do you deal with it? Like even something as simple as the fact that like, I literally have never had braids or crochets or anything in my entire life. And I decided to get it last summer because I was tired of doing my hair and then my daughter's hair. Mm, yeah, 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 yeah. Some got to give. Yeah. And my daughter has a looser curl than I do, but her hair is thick. Mm. And it's like, I'm not spending three hours on a Sunday doing this. So I took her to the salon so that they could do it. And then I started getting crochets. But now she's like, I want to go to the salon. So now it's like, okay, <laughs> now we have to reset in terms of privilege. Right, 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 right. Because everybody doesn't get to go to the salon. Like right. my mama did my hair when I was 13. So right. holla at grandma. <laughs> <laughs> so let's, let's, let's get back to this book, right? Like it's coming out March 31st. Yes. Um, Eye-opening interviews. The hope, the goal is to help jumpstart conversations about identity, privilege, and bias, y'all. The book is called Diversity in the Workplace. Um, listen, y'all, make sure you check it out right now. Maybe because of that, Rona, we might be having these conversations on uh, Zoom or Skype. Uh, I'm not- I mean, you're going to be quarantined because of that, Rona, anyway, so you might as well read this. You definitely you should that- read the book. In fact, you know what? Why don't you challenge yourself? And there's an audio, there's an audio book version, too, if you don't even want to read it. Come Somebody on, can just man. read it. Come on now, like challenge yourself to read the book. And then that way, when you go back to work, because Lord say the same, the Rona won't be here forever. Okay. So you eventually will have to go see people. Right. I mean, the Rona won't, it'll be replaced by something else. Oh goodness. You're right though. Yeah. Yeah. I Uh, mean, yeah, it's Trump. So yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, (laughs) So uh, Something else might kill us in the meantime. Who knows? I don't know. They say they got all these locusts over in Africa. It's like hundreds of hundreds of billions of them over there. I don't know. Yeah, I saw that too. That was spooky out here. Uh, they, what disease are they carrying? Listen, I don't know. Okay, I'm just let that go. Okay, shut, let shut, go. Shut, shut, shut of the thought. So look, <laughs> y'all. <laughs> uh, listen, y'all. Uh, this has been uh, Living Corporate. Right, we do this. Right, we have conversations. Uh, you know, we um really excited and we're thankful. Uh, you know, all jokes aside, please make sure you're washing your hands. OK, uh, we have information on uh, from the CDC in the show notes. You know, hopefully you're washing your hands as you listen to this podcast. I don't like wash your hands. OK, um, soap is important also. Now, 
and very uh, yeah, yeah. Don't, water is not water water is not soap i like i want to hold on water <laughs> is not soap okay so you no, wanna, you want to no. use use some use and you know use the hard industrial so use that uh what's it irish spring if you need to um i personally use doo doo a song because i am bougie but you can use Ooh. what yeah, really I, I use Olay, but you know, whatever. Olay is also nice. Olay is nice. But use something, use use something that is that is frankly a little abrasive. OK, get the get that first just that half layer off your skin, like wash your hands, y'all. Um, and then, you know, just 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 take care of yourself. Fist bumps and head nods only. You know, this actually could be a good opportunity for allyship and, and learning. Um, well, here's the thing. So even with the fist bumps you so with the social distancing blah 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 mm-hmm. it's supposed to be six feet if you are if you bump into it no you're That's not within point. the six you know you're right yeah. uh, no 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 fist bumps so this will be a good time actually for those who head are not at people and wave head nods so 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 we all know how to do a head nod but this may be a time for my less melanated folks my aspiring allies to learn how to effectively head nod and don't throw your neck out of your body uh, when you do oh. it, so um, no, that was we're just he- just nodding too hard, right? Like the head nod is supposed to be subtle, nuanced, right? Like that's that's the there's I don't know maybe it's a cultural thing. I feel like in the south, like our head nod is is different, and I definitely believe between the various melanin levels, head nods can be um, various levels of aggression. That's all. You know, that's all I mean. Uh, maybe a little salute also with two fingers at the head, and just hello, I see you over there. Um, but just be careful. Take care of yourselves. Um, and um, we'll get through this together. Uh, in the meantime, make sure y'all check out the link in the show notes as well for diversity in the workplace. Eye opening interviews to jumpstart conversations about identity, privilege and bias written by Bari A. Williams. Until next time, y'all. This has been Zach. Peace. Living Corporate is a podcast by Living Corporate LLC. Our logo was designed by David Dawkins. Our theme music was produced by Ken Brown. Additional music production by Antoine Franklin for Musical Elevation. Post-production is handled by Jeremy Jackson. Got a topic suggestion? Email us at livingcorporatepodcast at gmail.com. You can find us online on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and living-corporate.com. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned.